Happy, happy Friday, friends. I have a picture in my head now of Anne-Marie and Lisa dancing. So that's fun. That's a fun way to start this, to um, to imagine the two of you dancing. Oh my gosh, we should have a total dance party. July. Let's book a dance party in July. Anybody in? Anybody want to be a part of the dance party? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Anne-Marie, I, I had my hair done. Actually, I did it myself with the um, tutelage <laughs> of my daughter. We did a, a virtual hair appointment. And um, honestly, it's just toner. So it's not going to last, but it will um, satisfy me until my appointment, my real appointment. It was a hot mess. Haven't had it colored in quite some time. So yes, this was a quick fix. Um, yes. Okay. So you're in, um, schedule that Vince. We've got a dance party in July. <laughs> the invites are coming. Um, actually the, um, the registration for the conference is coming. It will be live early on in January. So be looking for that. Did you just uninvite yourself? Did you just decline the invitation to our dance party? Somebody, somebody quick. I'm clapping my hands in delight. <laughs> yes, this is very exciting. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. You know what else I've been thinking about? I I humbly decline. Oh, gosh. I don't think that there's any humility involved in this, but whatever. <laughs> it's fear. Fear. I sense fear. Um, anyway, I've been thinking about now, ladies, chime in. And Vince, you can chime in too, but I think that just by by the, the opening statement here, you're going to be like, I'm not coming. I want to do I want to do a virtual tea party. Would that be fun? Now I'm talking about like let's just get on Zoom and and hang out. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We'll get back to the, the virtual tea party here in a minute because called out Lisa, the one with the incredible prophetic memory is is reminding Vince of, of, of the word of the Lord. I vaguely remember it. Lisa, give us some reference. Because I am not sure I remember exactly when that was, but I do vaguely recall this moment that Vince will dance. So back to the virtual tea party. Ladies, wouldn't it just be fun to hop on a Zoom call and um, <laughs> and um, and just like share life? Like no, no agenda, no, no, like ministry agenda, nothing like that. No, no teaching. Like, can we just sit, make it a coffee party instead? Yes. You know, beverage is your choice. Bring whatever drink you want to the virtual party. I just thought it was cute to call it a tea party. I don't really even drink tea. I like green tea sometimes, but normally I don't drink tea. Coffee friends. Um, you can bring whatever drink you want to the party. You know, who's really going to know what's in your mug? Um, that's not permission, by the way. Um, <laughs> to, to I just like we don't get to do that. 
we get to enjoy each other in, in ministry and that's really it. But like, I want to know what are your cat's names and, and your dog's names and, and maybe your children, like, can we do that? There's, I would just rather, can we just know each other? Something about you dancing and coming undone or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that. I don't think you are. I don't think you're making that up. We've got two conversations happening simultaneously, the virtual tea party and Vince dancing, which I am totally enjoying. <laughs> we will, we will dig. We'll, oh, it, does that mean he's accepted the invitation to dance? So it, does that mean that you remember the 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 prophecy no he still doesn't remember the prophecy i i'm gonna i'm gonna do some digging because i i have i have memory of this i just can't recall exactly when that happened but i know it's out there i hope you record you'll be there Anne marie you already said you're coming to the dance party in july so yes the tea party you're in okay we're gonna make this happen Let's let's not try and do that before Christmas happens. But um, yes, I'm coming. Um, we will we will do that um, at the beginning of the year. Let's shoot for the beginning of the year. And I'm thinking like at least once a quarter we need to have our virtual tea party. This is like it, honestly, this has been taking up a lot of space in my heart because I I just I, I want to connect with with people in a more real way because I think that yes a New Year's party I think that that's um that's something that we need to be doing and and I'm not saying that we can't connect through ministry because that totally happens too but I just I think like we can know each other we can know each other we don't have to let an ocean keep us from knowing each other anyway enough about that okay your birthday is in 50 days I don't want to do the math. So can you just tell me when in January is your birthday? My husband's birthday's in January. John's birthday is January 31st. When's your birthday, Emory? Okay. You guys, we are going to happy pre-birthday <laughs> celebrating Anne Marie and Jesus. Um, we're going to jump into um Second Timothy this morning. If you tuned in last Friday, you know that discipleship, actually, if you've been listening at all, you know that discipleship is like way up here on my list of important things to, to pay attention to. I'll be on the countdown from Boxing Day until the 27th. Okay, January 27th. Your, yours and John's birthdays are very close. Very close. Um. So let's turn to Second Timothy. I think that this is um, this is a really good place for us to go when we're talking about um, discipleship and um, and how to carry out the call that's on our lives. Um, I love it that in the Passion Translation, because you know he gives a title to to every book, and it's Heaven's Urgency. Second Timothy. He titled Heaven's Urgency. And and I, I feel that. Do you guys feel that in the spirit? Like that just like this urgency to to turn things around and and such a a call to put the purity of heaven on display through what we call ministry, right? I think just about anything has passed as ministry 
and we have um, all been captured by anything that that sparkles. And and those days need to be over. We need to not be so easily enamored by everything and begin to step into a purity that flows straight from heaven because we need to be reaching for righteousness. We need to be reaching for the righteousness that is actually ours to walk in. And, um, and I, you know, there are so many people hurting right now because of the unrighteous nature of, of ministry and the things that, that have passed as, as ministry, which are actually being called out as spiritual abuse right now. So I think that, that we have certainly stepped into an hour where a pure discipleship is so necessary. So I just want to jump in and start reading second Timothy. We will stop and um, talk about some different things and maybe even go back and read through in a different translation. Um, yeah, I see. I see all of the emotions. It's true. I mean, like I have felt that so much. There is, um, there are some really hurting people to the point of wanting to, to completely walk away from the church altogether. And, and I get that. I understand that I've, I've been in, in situations that have certainly made me feel that way. And, um, and it's all because of being enamored by the man and, um, and not standing in the fear of God. Honestly, it's the difference between the fear of man and the fear of God. Right. And so we've got to take way more seriously the, the fear of God, because it's what's actually going to hold us. It's what's going to hold us in, in place and, and keep our toes to the fire, so to speak. And, um, but the fear of man is going to confuse us. And, and that, that has become a serious issue. We have traded up the fear of man for the fear of God. And listen, the um, perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, scripture does not apply when we are talking about the fear of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. The scripture that says perfect love casts out all fear does not apply when we are talking about the fear of the Lord. It certainly applies when we're talking about the fear of man, but it does not apply when we are talking about the reverence that is to be held to our God. Okay, can we all agree on that? Hi, Chris. Welcome. You missed you missed all the talk about Vince dancing. I'm sorry about it, but <laughs> I'm sure that you are in total agreement with Vince dancing. <laughs> can I get an amen, Chris? All right, let's go to um, 2 Timothy um, chapter one. <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of agreement for you this morning, Vince. You're welcome. <laughs> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, through the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Jesus Christ, to Timothy, beloved child, grace, mercy, peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Ah, sometimes I just love the, the entry lines of, of the books. And thank you, Chris, for the agreement. Uh, verse three, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers in a pure conscience while unceasingly I have remembrance concerning you in my petitions and 
night and day. Longing to see you, remembering your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Having been reminded of your unfeigned faith in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded dwells also in you. For which cause I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and of love and of sober mindedness. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but suffer evil with the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the times of the ages, but now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who nullified death and brought life and incorruption to light through the gospel. I'm going to read that one again because it's so good. But now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has nullified death and brought life and incorruption to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, for which cause also I suffer these things, that I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard my deposit unto that day. Hold a pattern of the healthy words that you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Okay, there are several really key points in here that we need to point out. And I'm guessing that the thing that we're most familiar with in 2 Timothy 1 is fan into flame, right? Like this is the, the part that we are all familiar with and probably have even had this t-shirt at some point, you know, like this is a part of scripture that is used for so many purposes. First of all, can we sit in a space where we are reading this from the heart of a father that is aching, aching to see his son, Timothy, standing in the fullness of the measure of Christ that has been set apart for his life. This is Paul who's aching to see Timothy fully functioning in what has been afforded his life. I want to point to this because this is what's needed desperately in the body of Christ. Fathers and mothers, spiritual parents who are aching to see their offspring, their spiritual offspring standing in fullness. Here's where we fall short in this because the majority of us are still shaky and standing on our own. We are still buying into the narrative that I'm not there yet. We're still buying into the narrative that there's still too much to be done. We are still grappling with 
the call versus the comfort. We will not see the fruit of our offspring standing in the assurity of the call on their life if we continue to waver the way that we are. We need to stand. We need to stand. I don't care what is coming. I don't, I don't care about the opposition. I understand the opposition, but I don't care about it. What we need to be focused on is what is the call on our lives and do what we can to stand in that. We are at a desperate, urgent point as the body of Christ to put the purity of Jesus Christ on display. We've seen the impurity. We're seeing it. It's rising to the surface right now. We need to move in the opposite spirit of what is surfacing right now and put Christ on display in a phenomenal way. Are you still grappling with whether you're good enough for this? Pretty much anyone who's listening to me right now is of the age that you should be a spiritual parent, not a child. So now that we've established that this is Paul who's aching, he's not aching to see himself qualified. He's aching to see his offspring qualified. And this is what he says to him. Longing to see you, right? Remembering your tears. And then he says, I'm reminded of your unfeigned faith which just simply means your genuine or sincere faith. And we've got to remember what, what is faith? It, it's the, the substance of things hoped for is what, what we learn in, in Hebrew, more like grandparents for sure. Um, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is what faith is. So when, when we're talking about genuine, sincere Faith, we're talking about genuinely and sincerely laying hold of a substance that gives us hope for the things not seen. And this applies to us first. You may not be seeing exactly what it is that you want to see in your life, and that's okay. But as long as we put ministry to Christ first, we can guarantee that the overflow from our lives will be that of purity. Where we run into problems is where we begin to, to source ministry in different directions. Ministry is unto Jesus Christ first. Anything that happens horizontally, if you will, we've got the vertical and then we've got the horizontal, right? Anything that happens horizontally should be overflow. It should be overflow. We minister unto Jesus Christ first. Our overflow is what impacts and helps disciple the nations. Do you understand that? Somebody give me an amen or a thumbs up or something. Any sign of life. Okay. And I love that he he is he's tracing back um Timothy's lineage. 
And, and something that, that God is saying to us for this next year is that, that God's going back three generations. I hadn't actually considered this um, portion of scripture when, when, um, when God released that word over us, but now I'm going, holy cow. And so this is what, this is what Paul is doing for Timothy. He's tracing back his, his lineage to his grandmother saying like, this runs in the family line. This faith, this hardcore faith, it runs in your family line, your grandmother, your mother, and now you. He's calling him up, function in the same way. He says, verse six, for which cause I remind you because of his faith, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I love that because Paul has firsthand account of what has been transferred into Timothy's life, what has been deposited into Timothy's life. He knows, he has, he has an idea of what this is supposed to look like and he's holding him accountable and he's saying, do something right? Like he's requiring fruit, do something, fan into flame that which was imparted to you when I laid hands on you. So there must've been, there must've been something that, that kind of gave um, Paul pause or concern. Like is Timothy still pursuing what it is that, that was imparted to him? And he's wanting to make, he's checking in. He's wanting to make sure like who in your life is allowed to check in and make sure who in your life is allowed to hold you accountable and call you to fan the flame of what has been deposited in you. Are you content with a pilot light in your life? Or are you looking for a blazing fire? I know what I'm after in myself and offspring. What does this look like? What does it look like to fan into flame what has been deposited in us? We all have a call on our life. There is a destiny for us to chase down. Like I said, ministry is unto Jesus Christ first. Anything else is overflow. However, we need to Learn to step in physically into doing the things that equate to what it is that God has called us to do. What does that look like? I've shared this before. For me, that means saying yes to the things. Like I have my re- my yes ready. Do you have your yes ready? When opportunity presents itself, do you have to take a hundred days to fast and pray to find out whether or not you're going to say yes to this? And even then, do you waver? Or do you have your yes prepared and ready? That's what he's saying to him. He's like, fan into flame. Like, have your yes ready, Timothy. When the opportunity arises, have your yes ready to go. What are you doing to practice the call that is on your life? What are you doing? How are you practicing the call that's on your life? 
This is really important. And for those of you that are dismissing everything I'm saying because you don't have someone to disciple you, I'm going to call you out on that one. I've never been discipled. Never been discipled. I've never had that one-on-one. Never. Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of discipling you. Yes, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> the fleece queen. <laughs> and and don't get me wrong, it is okay. It's okay to communicate with with our God in in sincerity. It is it is okay. But what I'm I'm saying, I know I'm speaking in radical terms, have your yes prepared. When here's the deal, when, when God calls us to something or we have those prophetic moments and, and somebody has been prophesying over us and everything in us is stirred up and we've got the goosebumps and, and, and the chills and, and whatever else, you know, that, that's happening in that moment, hold on to that, hold on to that. We are so quick to dismiss a moment because of the opposition that comes against us. We think, ah, this is a sign. This is a sign that I'm not supposed to actually pursue this. No, it's not. It's a sign that you're moving in the right direction. Chase after the thing that that has been deposited in you when somebody laid their hands on you. We've got to do something. You know, when, when we read things in scripture that tells us that that the word of the Lord will not return to him void. You are the word of the Lord. He spoke you first. Before he ever started applying prophetic words to your life, he spoke you knowing what the full measure of your life would equate to. Don't return to him void. Fulfill the call on your life. Have your yes ready and practice your yes. I don't know what that looks like for you. I know what it looked like for me. For me, it meant going on a walk in cornfields and preaching to the corn at different times. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I didn't just go out there on a whim thinking, oh, I've got this great idea. I'm going to go preach to the corn for an entire summer. No, God lured me out there in intimacy And through intimacy, asked me to practice the call on my life. And so I began to preach to fields of corn. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. And I had a yes ready. When, let me just tell you the story. I was a part of a small group that, that was meeting in a coffee shop. And um, I I typically have been content to be the the quiet observer in in a group learning much and having of course my own my own thoughts um in in real time but hardly ever releasing them and um and when I did speak up I knew that my words mattered so do you know that your words matter do you know what you carry matters because of my quiet nature and and only like getting 
small bits of words in at a time, my words carried weight. And so when I would participate in, in talks in small groups, there was weight that was applied to the conversation and it caused typically pause in the room and caused everyone to be like, oh, I hadn't thought about that kind of thing. And um, and so after this happened a couple of times, um, after the small group, um, the, the pastor of the church that I was going to was like, do you teach? And I was like, nope. And, and he kind of like tilted his head. And, and I mean, the full story was that I did children's ministry for a lot of years at that point, but had, had never been called up to the big leagues, if you will. (laughs) But I'll tell you, I learned a whole lot more leading children than I have in the years in the big leagues if that's how we want to look at it. Um, But because I said yes to the call for children's ministry, it did prepare me for the yes in this moment that I'm telling you about when I was asked, do you teach? And I was like, no, I've never, I've never done that. However, what I couldn't deny is that I have seen myself doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like now these are the heart pounding moments where we're either going to shy away from the call on our lives, like shrink back, like, oh, I must make myself less so the Lord can be great. No. How do you think he's going to be great at this moment in time? How do you? Yes. Yes. John the Baptist needed to shrink back, like remove himself from the scene so that Jesus could be take up all the space. Right. But we're talking about two people that were walking the earth at the same time. You are the walking, living expression of Jesus Christ on the earth today. You, you, do, you don't need to play the I'm going to be less so that he can be great. Yes, you do need to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and come after Jesus. But that looks like you saying yes to the things that God has called you to do. That that looks like you saying yes to the vision that, that he has planted or deposited inside of you. So this moment in this coffee shop where I'm being asked, do you teach? My first answer is no, I don't. Because I'm like, I've got to be honest in this moment. I've got to be honest here. Like I've never, I've never been on stage and I've never, anyway, he continued. And, and he was like, I'm putting together a teaching team. And I wondered if you would consider being on it. Now, I knew in this moment that I I was either going to walk in disobedience or I was going to risk everything. And for me, it felt very, very risky. And, And I very quickly weighed what was going on. And I just said, okay, just gave a simple, okay. And, and from there, um, things in my life began to shift very, very quickly, but you guys, it was because I practiced my yes over and over and over again, that I, I had a yes. It may have been a shaky yes, but I had a yes prepared. I had already done the work to see myself in the space that God had called me to. I was fanning into flame. Now I did have this moment, right? In this conversation where I was trying to kind of douse those, those flames, like, ah, I'm not ready.
And the only reason was, is because I was grappling with the fear of man. If I say yes to this, what will it look like? If I say yes to this, what if I fail? If I say yes to this, what if I'm a fraud? But I could feel the push of the spirit going, I'm behind this. Are you sensitive sensitive enough to the prompting of the spirit to recognize when it's him pushing you forward? This was a moment that I needed to say yes to. You, you, you go before you know. I didn't know all the details of this. I didn't yet. I've had people say things to me, but I chickened out of my yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we talk about not taking the chicken exit a lot around here. If you've ever been on a, a roller coaster um, that is terrifying, there's typically a chicken, a chicken exit at the, the top of the line. And um, I am prone to taking a chicken, chicken exit, chicken, I don't know what I'm trying to say, chicken exit <clears throat> often. I, I don't like roller coasters. I like plans. I like to know where I'm going. But remember that what it is that, that Paul is saying to Timothy Having been reminded of your unfeigned faith, your genuine, sincere faith, the the substance of things hoped for, right? And l- listen, just because it's it's faith in the calling on your life, just because it, it involves a vision of you doing something that is outside of of how you've done things at this point, that doesn't that doesn't make it um, pride. That doesn't make it like. I'm chasing after putting myself on a pet. That's not, no, actually it's the opposite. You denying that Christ has deposited something in you of greatness to put him on display. You denying that is actually false humility. Don't play, don't play games. Don't play games. See, this is why we need to minister to Christ first. We need to pour out our ministry at his feet so that we can be guaranteed that our overflow is pure. I think, you know, Anne-Marie, you're um, responding a lot. And I know that um, that worship is is something that's that's kind of been on the forefront of your mind. And, and so this is what I would say to that. Like if, if you have anyone who has a collection of prophecies that speak towards something very specific, like worship, why, why, why are you not getting keys to, to the local church and, and going in and spilling out your worship? This is what I'm talking about. It's like, what are you doing to practice? What are you doing to practice? You've got to practice the call on your life. And I come from a background of sports, so I completely understand the platform of practice. In fact, I I prefer practice. That's just my nature. I prefer the practice. I was a practice player. I, I was a practice coach, in fact. Practice was what was most important to me as a coach, was being in the room and having a well-prepared practice. You, all of my my um, my 
practice practices were planned out down to the times. Like I, I would put the use the um, the clock, the the scoreboard clock to to time out what it was that we needed to accomplish throughout a a, a given time frame. I love practice, and um, because that's 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 where that's where things are formed is in the practice. Honestly, you guys, the practice is the ministry unto the, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. That's where the meat is at is in our practice and our willingness to be like, there's, there's no fans around. There's nobody cheering. There's nobody participating. It's me and Jesus. And that was my experience with the corn. You know, going out into these cornfields and preaching. And I mean, honestly, you guys, I was a I was a sobbing mess out in these cornfields. And 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 God allowed me to experience the um the the presence of the corn. Listen, all of creation has a response to the sons and daughters, right? Like all of creation has a response. Nature is actually a good place to practice because he will allow you to experience the presence of, of nature. And I did, I, I could, I could feel, I, I felt as if I was surrounded and I could feel the response of the corn. And I know this sounds absolutely absurd, but it's real. It's real. And, and so the, the presence was just Jesus. And since then, like in the last, I don't know, Vince, you can confirm. I think it's been maybe close to a year now where God was like, I don't want you to pay attention to who's in the room. I don't want you to pay attention to the response of the room. Um, we went through a very, um, we'll call it sleepy period where we, we don't have very many people in our congregation and, um, and, you know, two, three people falling asleep while you're teaching is a little bit humiliating if you're paying attention. And so God really course corrected us and was like, I am not asking you to do what you're doing for the people in the room. You're shaping the atmosphere. What you're doing, you're pouring out what I have deposited in you for a completely different purpose. And so, and I'm not saying that I have done this flawlessly, but the focus left the room and it became about the spiritual dimensions that God is, is pulling things from right now. And, um, and, and so that, that's what we're doing. And, and that's where my practice was, right? Like I, I practiced in the cornfields before we were ever called out to start a church. And, and so I don't know what that looks like for you, but you need to know, you need to know. You need to allow yourself to be a foolish thing. If that means that that you you know go out in a field of flowers and and begin to sing, what do you do? I remember singing "Holy Spirit Rain Down" while walking once. The heavens opened and I got drenched, literally. Yes, exactly that, exactly that. So fanning into flame what it is that has been deposited on the inside of us is so important. It's so important. And it is literally our response 
It is our worship response to what it is that God has planted inside of us, to what he spoke into existence. It's our response to him. Remember David bringing the, the, the ark into Jerusalem? You know, he screwed up the first time. And the second time, he does, he goes all in. He is completely abandoned. And he doesn't care what it looks like. His wife cares, but he doesn't care what it looks like. He goes all in. He completely abandons himself. And he dances dances like a crazy man before the Lord until his clothes fall off. That's wild. That is wild abandon. Are you free enough to go all in before the Lord? Are you free enough to practice in the cornfields if that's what he calls you to? Maybe you need to go to a zoo and start practicing healing. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is that that, that God's called you to do. But uh, I do know that if ministry does not become about Jesus first, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. We need to be practice players. Yes. Yes, we, we need to. We need to prophesy to nature. Oh, gosh, that's that's huge. That's huge. Practice, practice. If you are, if you are a prophet, this is something that, that you need to be doing is, is getting out in nature and, and, and prophesying to, to all of, of creation. This is what practice looks like. This is what ministry unto the Lord looks like is that you are willing to do the things that seem absolutely crazy but you're willing to do it because you know that you've got a call to stretch the kingdom wide over the earth. Listen, the, the whole world is aching, is desperate for a manifestation of Christ, for a manifestation of the glory of God. Again, who do you think that's coming through? It's not, glory isn't just going to like magically rain down out of the sky and suddenly the world is going to be like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. It It's through you and I. It's through you and I. The glory of God is coming through you and I, but it needs to be an untainted flow. We need to be pure vessels for the glory of God to flow through. We cannot play around. We can't afford to play around anymore. And so if you're fanning into flame that which has been deposited in you in any other way, but ministry unto the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going about this all wrong. Now I do want to go back to the, the, the part about discipleship because I also don't want to leave this unhinged and, and you thinking that, that, you know, we don't need to be disciple or discipleship is not for today. All I was saying is declaring that that wasn't available to me. 
So you can't really use that as an excuse not to move forward and, 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 and put what God has deposited in you on display. Let's not use that as an excuse. Now, discipleship is absolutely needed. But I'm afraid that those of us that are called to disciple this next generation are shirking our responsibility because we never were. And there's no time for us to have an argument about that. We just need to put our pants on and get to work. You know, like, let's just let's just stand up and let's do the thing. There's a whole generation that is aching to be discipled, and it's you and I that need to do the work. We need to raise up a generation that knows that, that can take, oh, you guys, like, seriously, ah, oh, the anguish inside of me is so terrific. It occurred to me, it hit me, hit me. I was like, I don't, I've never even tasted of the purity of the prophetic. So background, there is a, a, a huge scandal that's just two hours from us, church scandal, and um, using the prophetic to manipulate people for, honestly, sounds like sexual favors and um, absolutely grotesque. And it, it, it seems as if this has ha- been a, a trickle-down effect from generation to generation to generation that outlasts my life. And, and so I was just like so struck by the thought of, I don't even know what the purity of the prophetic is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that, that there aren't pure expressions of the prophetic right now. Please hear me and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are pure expressions of the prophetic, but I'm saying by and large, the, the Western culture has been under an impure expression of the prophetic, a, a tainted, let's, let's go with it, tainted, a, a tainted measure of, of the prophetic because it's been misused and abused, quite frankly. And, and so on the backside of being hit with this reality, I'm going, oh my gosh, we have a huge, we have a huge job, huge huge job. And this isn't just for profits because I, I, I don't, I, I don't really care what expression of the fivefold you fall under. You have a role in this to hold a, a, an accountability to purity when it comes to the prophetic, because it's not just prophets who prophesy. You know what I'm saying? Like we need a pure, a purification to take place within the prophetic because guys, I am, it is, it is with, um, the fear of the Lord that I am like standing back going, like I have a little bit of trepidation if I'm honest with you in, in regard to the prophetic right now, because I'm like, how much of this, how much of this has been 
impure? How much of it has been tainted? How much of it has it of it has been handed off from an impure vessel? And I'm not saying that any of us started out looking for an impure way to utilize the prophetic. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just like, it's all we've known. It's all we've known is an impure, tainted mess. So I'm wondering, like, how how much more powerful is the prophetic actually? And I, I really believe that some of the impurity when it comes to the prophetic has come about by our unwillingness to partner with the words that have been released over our lives. This is also an impurity when, when we know that it is the word of the Lord and we do not practice it. I mean, I'm talking like that needs to come down like new equipment and we need to take it out for a test drive immediately. What does this thing do? I'm not saying that you're immediately promoted. I'm saying that you are immediately on the practice field, test driving that new equipment that you have just been given. So I think that that's part of the the tainted, the impure, um, the impurity that's in within the prophetic move right now is that, that we think somehow it's up to us whether we step into it or not. Guys, do you understand what the prophetic actually is? It's supposed to be the very words of the Lord. Words that carry weight, words that are like many waters, words that are like a trumpet blast, words that carve out space, words that transform words that that bring a response words that that cause a deep reverence for the lord but i'm afraid that it's become more like candy tossed out in a parade where we run out and and grab what we want and then decide whether we want to actually consume it or not that's not that's not real. That's not real. And the whole thing of like, oh, well, if you actually like that person's word better than the one given to you, you just go ahead and grab hold of it. Nope. That's not how it works. And I'll take this even further and say that there's no such thing as individual prophecy. And what I mean by that is that the word of the Lord that is spoken over an individual applies to the whole. If we do not start thinking in terms of oneness, we are going to miss it completely and our ministry will always be messy. Always. This has to be about oneness. Now, this is how we've ended up with platform performance Christianity. It's because we bought into this lie that there is such a thing as individual prophecy that somehow that doesn't affect the whole. We are one body moving towards a purity 
right? Like he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. How do you do that if we believe in an individual prophecy that only applies to a single individual? Here's what I mean. If you're in a corporate setting and there is the spirit of prophecy enters into the room and all of a sudden there's just popcorn prophecy and, and somebody is going person to person to person to person to person, you should be paying attention. You should be paying very close attention. And you should be asking yourself, what do I know is true about that person? What is it that they walk in? Do I know the call of God on their life? This is why it's so important that we really intimately know each other. And we should be asking, okay, so what does that mean to the whole? What does this mean to the whole? What does this mean to the whole? I'm not saying that that the prophecy isn't for that person individually, that there's not a rising up that should take place in there, that there's not a forming that should take place within that individual person. Don't misunderstand me. That, yes, should happen. But there should be a residual effect on the whole as well if we're, if we're really going after oneness. Yeah, no, Chris, that's valid too. That's that's totally valid, which is why we need to be weighing and judging, correct? Um, but um, so often is what you see when the spirit of prophecy enters into the room is you see or you feel you experience the pulling on the spirit of man or even people moving about to try to be in the line of the sight of the prophet. We, we aren't, when the spirit of prophecy moves into the room, we should all be at attention. Seriously. We should all be at attention, but the opposite happens. We are not mindful of what it is that the Lord is doing in that place because we are grappling for position. We are trying to be seen because we want to be put on display and we want to get our next feel-good moment. The problem with it is, is that we typically don't do anything with it. We've, we've shifted ourselves about the room so that we could be seen and we could pull on the prophet and we get the word and we walk away doing absolutely nothing. We excuse ourselves. From the moment. And so here is my prayer. My prayer is that another word of the Lord would not be wasted on people who just want to be seen in a single moment. That we would be very mindful and that we would be sharpened as prophetic people and that we would only release the word, the pure word of the Lord over, over the people that God is truly pinpointing. And that there should be a charge on the backside of that word. Now go and do what it is that God has called you to do. Yes, should profit the whole and not just the individual. Guys, it is really, really important that we know each other. We need to know each other. Just like Paul knows Timothy. He knows what's been deposited in him and he's calling him out because he knows what's been spoken over him. And he's saying, boy, you best fan into flame what's been deposited inside of you. See, if we actually walked in the fear of the Lord and not fear of the man, 
fear of the man, fear of man. <laughs> the fear of the Lord alone would carry with it the accountability that is necessary to accompany the prophetic. We need to we need to go back to the drawing board, so to speak, when it comes to the prophetic. It needs to be cleansed. It needs an accountability. And can I just say that there should never, ever, 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 ever be a moment where somebody is allowed to pull another individual aside to offer a word, a prophetic word over their life without somebody else. This reeks of rebellion and division and should not be tolerated. It absolutely should not be tolerated. Anybody who has on their mind that they're not going to function within the whole as the body, but they're going to wait to pull somebody aside later, this reeks of rebellion and division. If it's something that cannot be said in front of the whole, it should not be said. It is likely not even the word of the Lord. There is so much more that needs to be talked about on this subject but we've said enough. So what are we going to do? We're going to fan into flame what has been deposited within us. We're going to minister. We're going to take that out. We're going to minister to Jesus Christ. And then we're going to watch and see how the overflow takes place with a yes readied. That's what we're going to do. And the ministry unto Jesus Christ is the practice field, okay? Whatever it is that he's asking you to do, do it. Let your response be, I'm coming. I'm coming. I've got my equipment. I'm coming. I'm coming, Jesus. You want me to go out into this cornfield and preach? You betcha. I'm going to do it. And, and, and listen, at first, you're going to feel really silly. It's okay. It's okay. That's why it's called practice. We fail forward. So if you miss it the first go round, get back up. Get back up. It took me, it took me a little bit before I was actually using my voice. One time I was like, God was like, I want you to pray as as I, I walked. And and I was like, okay, okay. And so I started praying in tongues. And God goes, Could you use your words? <laughs> And, and and so I did. I just, I, I quickly shifted and I used words. Listen, allow Holy Spirit to be your coach on your practice field. Okay. And just experiment with it. That's, I'll leave you with that. I love you guys. I bless your weekend and we will see you soon.